we've heard and sung some words, let's just take a moment of stillness together. Lord, we've heard those beautiful words from your word. And I simply pray now as uh, I add a few words to that, that all that I say and all that we think will work towards transforming us more into the likeness of Jesus. For his name we pray. Amen. When the American West was settled, many travellers passed over a part of Nebraska, which understandably they thought was desert. The travellers couldn't see water anywhere and thought that the land would be good for nothing. Today, Nebraska is called the breadbasket of America. More wheat and corn are grown there than in any other state. What made the difference that those early travellers didn't see? It was the Ogalilia Aquifer, try saying that <laughs> early in the morning, which lies under the state of Nebraska. It's an underground lake which covers about 74,000 square miles, covering most of Nebraska and some of the surrounding states. The aquifer is responsible for 30% of the water used to irrigate crops in the whole of the United States, and 90% of the fresh water to nearly 3 million people in eight states comes from it. <coughs> Many of those early travellers on the Great Plains died as they crossed from lack of nourishment. What they didn't know was that water was just a few feet under the surface of the dry land. And we'll come back to that a bit later. So we come this morning to week two of our series from Psalm 23. And this week we're looking at verse two and the first part of verse three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I want to look first of all at the verses themselves and then what it means for us. They're so familiar, aren't they, probably to all of us. And so it's really easy that the words just sort of glide over us without us really realising their fantastic significance. So first of all, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep need more care than almost any other livestock that we keep. And they are totally dependent on the shepherd. In the semi-arid landscape of ancient Palestine, there wasn't much grazing land at all. Shepherds would have to guide their flocks to the places that had enough grass for them to eat, where the pastures were green. The shepherd needed to know where to go, the best route to take to get there, and the pace at which to lead the flock. There would be dry and difficult terrain to cross as well as dangers from wild beasts and thieves along the way. The way that David speaks of these green pastures, there's at least two things that are helpful for us to note. First of all, they represent nourishment. 
what the sheep needs to feed, to grow, to be healthy and thrive. That raises a question straight away, I think, and a challenge for us all. What is our diet of reading, reflecting, and listening like as Christians? Are we feeding on kind of scrappy, arid grass or lush, green pastures? Is it junk food or is it nutritious? But then, of course, there is also rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Today's trivial pursuit fact. Sheep only sleep for about four hours a day, usually in short naps rather than long sleeps. And sometimes they sleep standing up. It's not a skill I have, which you might be relieved at this moment to know. They're very timid animals and they're easily startled. And you may well have seen a flock of sheep kind of running quickly across a field if there's a noise like a barking dog or a, a noisy uh, piece of traffic coming past. Philip Keller writes that sheep will not lie down easily and won't do so unless four different conditions are met. Because they're nervous, they won't lie down if they're in any way afraid. Because they're sociable, they won't lie down if there's any sort of friction among the flock. That's fascinating, isn't it? If there are flies or parasites that are bothering them, they also won't lie down. And finally, if they're anxious about food or they're actually hungry, again, they cannot rest and lie down. Rest will come when the shepherd has dealt with fear, disagreement, flies and hunger. Now, the wolves are still out there. But the sheep can lie down because the shepherd is in view. They can see him. Their presence, his presence, allows them to rest. We read in another of David's psalms, Psalm 4, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So there's a lesson for us here, isn't there? When we are disturbed by fear or difficulties in relationship, in or outside the church family, or if we're disturbed in other ways or our basic needs are not met, we won't be able to rest either. But we do have the shepherd with us. He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Somebody once told me that in Hebrew, because that text about God never leaving us or forsaking us, quoted in the New Testament, but from the Old Testament, somebody said to me, the Hebrew is fivefold. So it is, I will never, 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 never leave you or forsake you. So when things are tough, I often say to people and do it myself, hold out your hand in front of you and say, he will never, 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 never leave you or forsake you. What a promise. God wants us to keep him in view as we go through the tough times. And God has modelled rest for us. In Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, we read, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, and so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested 
from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I don't think God needed to rest, because God is God, presumably constantly able to be at work in his world, as indeed he is. But what's happening here is God is modelling something important for us. There's something about rest, which is us laying down the responsibilities, the things that we hold on to, and saying, God, for now these are yours. I trust you, and I leave them with you. So let's look at the second part of the text. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. In Hebrew, the words quiet or still waters are actually uh, better translated restful waters. And actually the Hebrew there is a noun, the restful bit. And so it's really the waters of rest. And what that suggests to us is that as we rest, that's where the water the refreshment is found. When we rest, we are restored, we are refreshed, we are renewed. In hot times, sheep were led down ravines to drink. It was cooler there. Sheep hate going down, apparently, because their eyesight is poor and they don't like walking downhill. Some of you, like me, will know it's harder on the knees. But it was important for them to get down to the place where the waters flowed gently. When they were there, they could rest and they could drink. And gentle waters, as opposed to ones that were quickly moving or even raging, were where the shepherd could water and wash the sheep. But it was more than that. It was a place where he could clean and mend any wounds the sheep had sustained on the way. The Hebrew word that's translated in the NIV as refreshed can equally be translated restore. In Bible times, if a sheep was exhausted or injured, the shepherd would give it rest and treat the wounds at these places of quiet water and return the sheep to health. And God wants, at the seasons when we need it, to do that for us too. So let's look at two things. Firstly, what are the things that leave us needing refreshment to our souls? In other words, what is it that depletes us? And secondly, how does that refreshment come? So what are some of the things that leave us needing refreshment? A few minutes ago, I spoke about the Ogalalia, so hard to say, aquifer. Really sadly, today that is under threat from over-extraction from climate change and pollution. And once depleted, it's estimated that the aquifer will take over 6,000 years to replenish naturally through rainfall. It's a sad fact, but I think it's also a helpful image for us to use. Over-extraction and depletion. How often do we say to each other how busy we are? I know for myself, often people say, how are things? And I I often say busy before I say something more helpful. And of course, there are times in our life when that is exactly how it needs to be, because there are particular demands at our work or because we're caring for family, whether that's older members of the family or young children. But if we're really honest, at times, it can be more than just those circumstances. Because there's a crucial difference, isn't there, between being busy 
and being driven. That feeling that somehow we can never let ourselves rest. Sometimes I think this because some of us, and certainly this has been true of me, and still sometimes is, we struggle to believe really deep down, really believe that God loves us, that his grace is enough, as we sing sometimes. Sometimes we feel that somewhere along the line we do still have to earn it, and so we work harder than he demands of us. Or sometimes it can be that there's something that we have buried that we really don't want to look at, and we're scared that when we stop, somehow that will rise to the surface. I have known those times, and my tendency when they come is actually, rather than stopping and resting, which I need, is to push harder and harder and harder, rather like those early settlers, not realising there is this huge, refreshing resource that is there to be drawn on. Rest is vital, and it's God's gift to us. There's something really beautiful isn't there, about watching children sleep when we have the opportunity. Sometimes it's the relief at the end of a day when they've finally gone to sleep and they're resting. But there's something really lovely when they're just resting. They're just who they are. And I believe with all my heart that God loves watching us rest like the loving parent that he is. He takes delight in us as we rest simply because of who we are. He looks at us, oh, Look, it's my child. They're resting. He takes a joy in that. And that alone, it seems to me, is a really good reason to do it. Then there's the effect of the metaphorical climate change and pollution. There is so much around us in the atmosphere, in the media, in the culture, that can almost just suck the life out of us. There's many good things about social media, but there's also so much vitriol there as well. It's important to know what is going on in the world for prayer. It absolutely is. But sometimes we do need to take a step back briefly from media to give ourselves a rest, a break from it. If our work settings are negative, then it's so important to just put in a little bit of space, even if all we can manage is a quick walk in a break to offset the effect of all that is around us. These things and so many others can really weary us spiritually. And it's a bit of a vicious circle. When the ground is hardened, and gardeners among us know this, when it's so dry, actually, it won't absorb. And so the rain just kind of bounces off. And for us too, the harder it is for us, the more difficult it is, the drier we get spiritually, the harder we can find it then to be refreshed. We need to really soak in God's love and his presence to allow him to soften us again. So how does that refreshment come? Well, in a way, there's lots of answers to this, and in another way, really, only one. Time in prayer, reading the Bible, worship, fellowship, taking communion, devotional books or apps, hearing what God is doing in other people, in our families, in the church family, in the wider world, all of those do build us up. For some of us, we're built up and refreshed by simply walking in nature, and there are wonderful opportunities around here, of course, to do that. Or simply having fun. Did you know that fun was God's invention? 
So sometimes one of the best ways to be refreshed is to simply time, spend time finding that playful part of ourselves, getting on the floor with children, laughing with others. The things God uses, I think, do vary at any particular time in our lives, and sometimes, too, depending on how newly we are as Christians and what we're learning. But God knows what our circumstances are. He knows that we are all different, and that's good. But you know, in another way, it's really simple. John, in chapter 7, records the words of Jesus, that anyone who is thirsty... Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And John goes on to explain that those living waters inside us are the life of the Holy Spirit. Like those early settlers, there is a source of life there for us. Anything which draws us closer to Jesus, any opportunity for his spirit to work in us, will refresh us. So as we draw to a close, I wonder where each of us, here or watching online, are as we listen. Are we well-rested or worn out? Are we refreshed or feeling more like we are trudging through a desert? However we are today, Jesus longs to draw close to us, to give us rest, to restore us and refresh us. In a moment I'm going to pray and then we're going to take the opportunity to be refreshed as the worship group will sing over us. Can I encourage each of us just to stay seated and simply receive from Jesus. Hold your hands out if it helps. Don't if it doesn't. But let's all of us open our hearts and let God's love surround us and fill us again. As I close, some final words from Jesus from the message, and many of you will recognize these. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray together. Loving Lord, you know how each of us are as we hear your word and as we think about it. You know that those of us who feel so worn and those of us who feel full. Thank you that however we are, you come with a gentle spirit and fill us afresh. So I pray simply, Lord, that as we hear these words sung over us, that you will draw us close that your love will surround us in ways that we can sense and know. Continue, Lord, to transform us to look more like Jesus. Thank you for your gift of rest and refreshment. May you grant it to us now, we pray.
In Jesus' name, amen.